Father in heaven, Lord, thank you today for this palace in time. It's not dependent on a building, but just time. Because you probably knew that there might be a time when buildings would be shut down. And they have been shut down many times in the past, but the Sabbath still continues because it's a palace in time, not necessarily in space. But we're thankful today that we can come together and worship here in the great outdoors, your first book. And as we study your second book, we ask your Holy Spirit to be with us. In Christ's name, amen. Now, Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 is like... One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It starts with a picture of the Day of Atonement in verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. So, verse 3, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? So, it starts out with this picture of the Day of Atonement. And this affliction of souls. And this is exactly what happened on the Day of Atonement. People would confess their sins throughout the year. They would be transferred to the sanctuary. And then they would be taken care of, um, a record of them, until the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, as everyone was afflicting their souls to make sure everything had been passed on to the sanctuary, the high priest would come in and have a sacrifice for himself and his family and then come back representing the entire nation and the entire sanctuary would be cleansed on that day, day of atonement. But at the end of the chapter is another day, and that's the day we're going to study about today. And here it is in verse 13 and 14. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath of delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, Feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isn't that a great text? Amen? So, you know, we've been in the series on the Sabbath. A few weeks ago, we talked about how at the end of time, the beast power would attempt to mark God's people in their right hand. We studied the right hand throughout all Scripture, and we saw that the right hand was the hand that God used to create. It was also the hand that he used to bring people out of Egypt and redeem. That's memorialized in the first giving of the law in Exodus 20, with creation being pointed to. And in Deuteronomy 5, I brought you out with my powerful arm, the right arm, in redemption in Deuteronomy 5, the second giving of the law. And then we studied about how, at the end of time, the beast power would attempt to mark God's people in their foreheads. And we looked at how that also represented the name of God. The name of God is going to be put in the foreheads, either by the beast power or by God. 
And today, in Isaiah 58, we see that this chapter focuses on those two days. And God's end time people will be known for the Day of Atonement. In, in Revelation 14, verse 6, it says they're going to fear God and give Him glory for the hour of His judgment is come. So they're going to fear God, which means what? It means they're going to worship Him. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Proverbs 19.23 So they're going to fear God. That means to keep His law. Deuteronomy tells us that. But it's a, satisfi it's a satisfaction. They're going to enter into satisfaction because they know the hour of His judgment is come. That's that day of atonement illusion. That was another uh, phrase that explained the day of atonement. And they'll worship Him, Revelation 14.6, who made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of living water. That's an allusion to the Sabbath day. So let's look now at two things about Isaiah 58. First of all, um, it ends with some promises. I'm going to feed you with the heritage of Jacob, cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, and um, <clears throat> then you'll be able to delight yourself in the Lord. Those are the promises. But what are the prerequisites? Here they are in verse 13. <clears throat> prerequisites, verse 13. Promises, verse 14. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, that's the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then, if, then, a conditional statement. So, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, now that phrase, the Sabbath, is all one word, mishabbat. It means uh, on account of or because of, you turn away your foot from the Sabbath. Let's talk about turning away because observing the Sabbath requires a turning away from something else. How many of you turned away from something else to come here this morning? And it's not trampling on the Sabbath, um, but rather stopping and returning to where you came from. So the phrase to turn away your foot literally means to turn back or to return to something else. The Hebrew word for turn away is from the same root word in the Old Testament for repentance. So the Sabbath is a day of repentance. It's a day where you turn back and you change your mind. The word repentance of the New Testament means to change the mind. So we come together on the Sabbath because we need our minds to be changed. They kind of have been messed up during the week. Yes? And we need revival and reformation. And so we come each Sabbath day for repentance, which is the foundation of revival and reformation. How many of you need to be reformed today? So, turning your foot away from the Sabbath means to return to God in deep repentance and a desire to change the mind. How many want your mind to change today in some way by God? Right? All right, that's the whole idea. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, 
from doing your own pleasure on my holy day. Now, God's not against pleasure. And that's not what this text means. What it means, the word there in Hebrew is also can be translated for, for pleasure, for business, for your affair, for your matters, right? So turn away from your business, from what's making you money, what's making you go forward in terms of financially, or whatever it is, and resting in Him. Not doing your own affairs is the preferred translation. If you do not do your own affairs, so God's not against pleasure, but He's against you doing your business on the Sabbath, finding business, or looking for customers. Also, he doesn't want you doing that. That's kind of mixing two things. It's actually blasphemous. Blasphemy means putting something in place where God doesn't want it. Now, this can even happen to ministers who are like writing books and stuff. I remember I had one minister come to my church and he, he set up all his books in the back. I mean, it was a huge stack. I mean, it looked like two pyramids in the back. And he had this big table. And he didn't use notes for his sermon. He used his books. So he says, that reminds me of what I said in my book here. And this reminds me of what I said in my book here. And you know, when as soon as the sun set, he took the covers off the books. And they were all gone. And I thought to myself, that's not good. Because he has been seeking his own business on the Sabbath day. And he was actually talking about the Sabbath day. All day. And this is exactly what the text is saying here. Don't do that kind of stuff. Because you're not to be focusing on advancing your cause on the Sabbath day. You're supposed to be thinking about God advancing His cause in your life. Amen? That's the whole idea of the Sabbath. And call it a delight. So, turn away your foot. Don't do your pleasure on my holy day. And call the Sabbath a what? <clears throat> a delight. Honeg. Now, if you go to a Jewish family, they invite you to eat. They say, do you want to honeg with us? And uh, they call Sabbath lunch choneg, okay? But actually, it's um, not lunch. It doesn't mean lunch. <laughs> Although some lunches can be delightful. How many of you are looking forward to a de delightful lunch today? A choneg, a delightful lunch, right? Um, the word choneg means exquisite delight, a dainty, soft, delicate, literally to make merry over. Merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And the Sabbath is to be like the exquisite day of delight. It's supposed to be like the ultimate meal, the ultimate medication that actually tastes good as it's bringing healing to you. Call the Sabbath a delight, most exquisite, luxurious, and delightful day of the week. Do you look at the Sabbath that way? Is this the day you've been looking forward to all week? You know, the Hebrews did not use Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. These are pagan names that point to various luminaries that were worshipped. Instead, they used just the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And they called them 
Day of the Sabbath number one, day of the Sabbath number two, day of the Sabbath number three. Aleph, Beth, Yamel, Aleph, Heh, Wah, Zayin, you know, preparation day, Shabbat. And each day was a day of the Sabbath. So all through the week, you were thinking about, wow, at the end of the week, I have Shabbat Hodeg. I have a Sabbath celebration, a time to get together with God. Call the Sabbath of the lights. These are the prerequisites for the promises. And if you call it the holy day of the Lord, honorable. So what? how does the commandment go? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Six days shalt thy labor and do all thy work. The Sabbath, seventh day, is the Sabbath of what? The Lord thy God. Kind of alluding to that. The Sabbath of the Lord thy God. The holy day of the Lord honorable. This is not a day for the Jews. This is not a day for the Gentiles. This is God's day for all people. And why is it that he's honorable? Why would we honor God on this day? It tells us in the commandment, for in six days the Lord created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> We're also told to honor our father and our mother, who were involved in an act of procreation for us. And so we honor them. If we honor them, how much more do we honor God who created everything? And then in the second giving of the law, the Deuteronomos, Deuteronomy version in chapter 5, it says, For I brought you out of Egypt with my powerful arm. We have Memorial Day. We have Veterans Day. Where we honor the people that protected our country where we honor those that delivered us. Basically, this whole day is meant to honor God as our creator and our redeemer. Did he get you out of a scrape this last week? He certainly did. You may not know about it, but you're all walking miracles. Probably should have been dead. Something should have killed you, but God protected you. How many of you are thankful that he redeemed you last week? I was talking to a gentleman not too long ago, and told me how depressed he was. And I said, what is that on your arm? It was a big scar. And he goes, so that's where they did a surgery and took out a, a cancer and it saved my life. I said, how long was that? It was like 30 years ago. I said, you were a walking miracle. Now sometimes we don't for, remember how it is that God has protected our lives. He, 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 he formed us and he redeemed us. I'm very thankful for that today. So, be prerequisites. Turn away your foot. Enter into repentance. Say, God, change my mind. Remind me of what I need to be reminded of. Not doing your own pleasure, your own business. Calling the Sabbath a delight. Calling it honorable. Not doing your own, own pleasure. Again, we've covered that already. Nor speaking your own words. Literally, again, as if under Devar underline it. No speaking of a word, speaking of your matters, 2 Samuel 19, 29, as in business matters. So it's important enough here in this passage to remind God's people, the Day of Atonement people who were kind of messing up the Day of Atonement, that they also have been messing up the Sabbath. And they need to do what? Not speak their own words. Not talk about their business. But 
focus on the Sabbath. The Sabbath keeper, though not outwardly engaged in labor, cannot keep his thoughts many times from business matters. While he may endeavor to keep the Sabbath, he does not keep it. And the Lord looks upon him as a transgressor. I tell you, I struggle with this myself. Because <laughs> I'm always thinking about how to advance my own agenda or maybe the agenda of my institution I work at. I'm always thinking about that. I kind of live that, breathe that, think that. But I have to discipline myself that no, this is not the day for that. This is a day to call our Redeemer great and our Creator wonderful. Now if we do that, then come these promises. If you do those things, then. Um, <clears throat> then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. <laughs> in other words, you call the Sabbath a delight, then you'll also call the Lord a delight. It's the same word. Honeg. <laughs> if you delight in the Sabbath, then you'll take delight in the Lord. Hashem. In the Lord Himself, you have a better relationship with the Lord Almighty. You'll be drawing closer to Him if you keep the Sabbath day. And you'll come closer to others who are also into Him. How many of you are thankful that you come together face to face with God on the Sabbath day and with others who believe in Him? Okay, a couple people. Two people. That's good. Only takes two to start something mighty. So, delighting in Him, we're created for this. To know God, to make Him known to others. To know God face to face, and to know even as we are known. This is the purpose of our existence. It's the greatest of all joys. It's the ultimate expression, even in the new earth, from Sabbath to Sabbath, and new moon to new moon, will come together in festivals talking about what God has done and talking to others about what He's done for them. And the Sabbath is to be a piece of heaven. We get to heaven, we're constantly going to be doing these things. And I remember my grandmother would make wonderful pies. She would give me just a sliver, just a tiny, tiny hint of a piece, almost a shadow of a piece. And I would taste it. And she'd say, there's a lot more where that came from. <laughs> and that's what the Sabbath is. It's a, just a hint, a sliver of a lot more where that came from. How many want to experience more of the Sabbath? That's the whole idea. So the first promise that then comes after meeting those conditions is Delighting in the Sabbath means to take delight in God Himself. If you want to have a better relationship with God, <laughs> keep the Sabbath. Because then the Sabbath will keep you. You don't really keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath keeps you. <laughs> and then what will happen next? I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. Now what does this mean? <clears throat> the high hills of the earth. You know, I, I was... Trying to figure this out a couple weeks ago, thinking about it, talking to people about it. But then I looked at the topography of Israel. 
Now we don't have screens down here, and that's okay. It makes me have to describe things. But there were several routes in Israel. It's not really good to travel from the um, <clears throat> west to the east in Israel. There's a lot of up and down. I mean, thousands of feet. You go down from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho, it's like 3,000 feet down, 2,500 feet down. It's way down. And if you go up on Jordan on the other side, it's way up. So that valley, way up and down, this, that's not the right way to go. You, in fact, you remember the psalm that says, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me, beside the still waters, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And many valleys there in Jerusalem, they're so deep and dark so suddenly that it's dark. You can't even see the sun. And an animal would get caught down in there and have to be gotten out by the shepherd. And, and God is saying, look, if you're keeping the Sabbath, it will help you ride on the high hills of the earth. You're not going to get stuck in the pits and the valleys. It will be a smoother sailing for you if you are riding on the high hills of the earth. And there was the King's Highway. I can't remember which one was which. Uh, thing near the Mediterranean. There was a coastal highway right along, but all the Philistines were there. Then there was a, one high path that went up to about where Mount Carmel was that went through the Valley of Jezreel and up. And then you could come from the Dead Sea all the way up to the Jordan, but the, the highest hill was like this, on this Jordan side, and you were walking on the high hill all along. And you basically had a, you had a straight shot. You never went down. You were walking on the high hills of the earth. The best route, the ridge route, avoiding the valleys. Now, last week I was in Colorado. I'd like to say that I had smooth sailing on the high hills the whole time, but I didn't. I was down in the valley some, but we did go up to a ridge line. And what a view could be seen miles in any direction. And this is what God wants for us. He wants us to successfully navigate the journey of life. He doesn't want us to have to take detours, to be in the valleys and the shadows. He wants us to ride on the high hills of the earth. The difficulties of life, many of them are avoided by those who delight themselves in the Sabbath, who delight themselves in Hashem, in the Lord. And of course, what is the ultimate high hill? <laughs> Come, let us go to the mountain. Come, let us go up to the Lord. And He will teach us His ways and we will walk in His paths. All the mountains of the Old Testament flow into one mountain, and that's Mount Zion. And on top of Mount Zion was the sanctuary, the ultimate high mountain. This is what He wants for us. To feed us or to cause us to ride on the high hills of the earth. Like I said, difficulties of life are avoided by those by those who delight themselves in the Sabbath. I mean my great my grandfather, my mom's dad, heard a sermon on the mark of the beast, didn't want to receive the mark of the beast. Started to keep the Sabbath and lost his job, 
Seven kids. <laughs> Seven kids in his family. Lost the job, middle of the depression. Doesn't seem like he was riding on the high hills. He went down. No money. But then there was this lady that saw he lost the job. It was a Jewish lady. And uh, picked him up one day. Said, what happened? Why aren't you working? He said, well, I decided to keep the Sabbath. I don't, don't want to receive the mark of the beast. <laughs> she goes, you've become a Jew, Gordon. This is a good thing. <laughs> he goes, I'm not a Jew. <laughs> Explained to her why it was for everybody. He goes, oh, you don't know anything you're talking about. You're a Jew. And you know what? Jews take care of Jews. I want you to fix my car. So he fixed her car. And he goes, I'll bring some other friends to you. And there were more friends, and he began fixing all these cars. <laughs> Pretty soon, she says, you know, you're good at this, but you're doing it in your shop. you got to think like a Jew, Gordon. You keep the Sabbath. You need to think like a Jew. She hadn't got that, you know, doing your own pleasure on my holy day down stuff. She was thinking all the time, like how she could make money. And she says, you need, to, uh, you need to put your store someplace. You need to open up... Shop and he goes. Well, I'll just put it on my in my garage. He goes. No, Gordon, you need to, you need to be downtown. So he moved his shop downtown. What are you going to call your shop, Gordon? I want to call it Gordon's Auto Shop. No, Gordon. No, you don't call it Gordon's Auto Shop. Why don't you call it something to get people's attention? He goes. Well, what do you what do you suggest? He says, you know, maybe Ten Commandment Auto Shop. <laughs> so he calls it Ten Commandment Auto Shop. He circles the Sabbath day. Good. Everybody in the Depression was looking for someone who was honest. Well, whose shop were they going to go to? Luigi's? Gordon's? Frank's? No, 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 no. Ten Commandment Auto. And God bless that. Caused him to ride on the high hills of the earth. His son, my uncle, Sonny, also saw. He finally came back to the Lord in his 40s. And he loved the Sabbath. But he worked on a barge in Ohio, on the Ohio River, right there where the panhandle of West Virginia comes up, and all the way down. He was a powerful man. He could swim across the Ohio River and back. I watched him do it. He was a powerful guy. And he also was a very good worker. But he felt convicted on the Sabbath, so he told his boss on the barge, <laughs> I'm going to keep the Sabbath. And the boss on the bar said, you know, we like you, Sonny, but if you do that, you're very popular, and everybody else will do it, and our barge will sink financially. So we're going to have to let you go. So they let him go. <laughs> they let him go. And so he went to the uh, Religious Liberty Department of the church, and they took it all the way to the Supreme Court in West Virginia. And he had a public attorney that worked for him who was a Buddhist. He had to explain the Sabbath to the Buddhist attorney who was going to explain that to the jury. And the Buddhist was really impressed and, and started to say, you know, I think I want to keep the Sabbath. And, you know, my Uncle Sonny was not a public speaker. He was, he was not. He was just, you know, he didn't like to talk up front. He, he liked to be behind the scenes. He wanted to fix your car, but he didn't want to say much about it. And he didn't say much. He didn't have to say much, but it really convinced her. And, but it didn't convince the, uh, the high court. And they said... No, you know, um, we're backing your employer. And so he went home. He goes, that's it. I guess, I guess that's it. He lost a lot of money and he was in trouble. 
But you know what happened to the company he worked for? And everybody liked Sonny so much, and a bunch of other people said, we think we want to keep the Sabbath too. They started talking about it. And <laughs> the company was like going to May Day. Oh, man, we're losing more money than we ever lost when Sonny was here. So they called him up like three months later, and they said, Sonny, uh, we know what we did last year and firing you, but we have lost so much money, we're begging you to come back. We'll pay everything back. We'll pay all the court costs. Just come back. Just come back. And he came back. And uh, you see, the difficulties of life might seem to be in the future of those who are faithful on the Sabbath day, but they're really not. The high hills are above those who are faithful on the Sabbath day. And I've seen that in my family. I went back this last week to Colorado, and I went to see some of the places where my great-grandfather had planted churches after churches after churches. And it was a, quite an experience. For me, I don't know so much for my family. I got up early in the morning. I was studying about all these places. And I could see how God blessed my great-grandfather's faithfulness on the Sabbath. Now the final thing, something I won't be able to cover totally here, but I want to talk about it more in the uh, 11 o'clock message. It says, the promises for meeting the conditions are, you'll know the Lord better, you'll ride on the heights of the earth, and it says, I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob. Machalot Jacob. Jacob, your father, the heritage of Jacob. Now here's something interesting. I want to come back to this at the 11 o'clock hour, but in Genesis chapter 13, 12 and 14 and 15, Abraham was given promises. The promises was, you know, I'm going to give you the country to the west, Yamah, towards the sea. I'm going to give you the country towards the south, the Negev, towards the Negev, to the north and to the east. But it was all limited. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. So the heritage of Abraham largely was focused in Canaan. And in Genesis 28, the same promise is given to Jacob. But Jacob has no borders or boundaries. It doesn't say within the land of Canaan. It says everywhere. <laughs> and what the point is, is that the Sabbath keeper doesn't have just a narrow um, realm of blessings. There are blessings that are universal, that transcend borders, that go to the entire world. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob. Isaiah 56 Back just a couple chapters. Look here at it. Thus saith the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold of it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath, who keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner, who had joined himself to the Lord, speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord to the eunuchs 
who keep my Sabbaths and choose that which pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and hold fast my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. How many think this is a wonderful promise? And so it's saying here, you know, Jacob, you went through some hard times. <laughs> but you know what? The blessings I'm giving you transcend even those of Abraham and Isaac. And it's related to the Sabbath. So in Hebrews 4.9, There remains therefore a Sabbath keeping for the people of God. Not only in the New Testament, but also in the earth made too. There remains a Sabbatismos. There remains a Sabbath keeping that will go throughout all time, transcend all borders. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the commonwealth of Israel, not just in this world, but also in the kingdom of heaven. The entire universe I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And they'll all come to the mountain every Sabbath and worship together. Wow. That's what this day represents. Covenant blessings that transcend any border, any nationality, for all people, for everyone. The Sabbath is made for all. Okay, I think that's enough for this morning. But at 11 o'clock, I'm going I'm to cover some more. And I want to really now unpack at that time. I'll just tell you what I'm going to tell the people. And then if you're interested, you can watch in. But um, this heritage of Jacob is far more deep than what I just said. The heritage of Jacob is actually talking about also Jacob's tr character transformation. Jacob's character transformation. His first inheritance was received as a result of a deception. Deceptive actions of Jacob and his mother to allow Jacob to receive the inheritance of Abraham and Isaac. What did he do? He made a deal with a meal, right? He fed his brother some lentil soup. This was the bomb soup. It was wonderful. And he saw it was very hungry. And so Jacob was kind of sneaky to steal the birthright. But then also when his father died, his mother said, look, the big thing is not just the birthright, also the blessing. God had to both of them. So she talked him into disguising himself before his father to get the blessing. And so he has his inheritance. And it looks like everything's okay. Genesis 28, he's leaving. Doesn't look so good. He goes, wait, I'm getting kicked out. Esau's about to kill me. And he's on his way headed towards Laban with that experience ahead of him. And as he goes away, you know, he's thinking, well, I guess my deception and sneakiness um, um, didn't pay off. And then God meets him at Bethel and says, 
I am the Lord God of Abraham and Isaac. The land in which you lie, I will give you to you and your offspring, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, and I will keep you, and I will bring you back to this land. It almost appears like he paid. He, he, he had gotten through it. He had deceived. He had been sneaky, and it had paid off. Sure, yeah, his brother was upset, but it looked like he, that was the end of it. But God doesn't want us to have a religious experience that's based anyway on deception and sneakiness. So he cared too much about Jacob to have him have that inheritance. He gave him the promises. But when he went to work with Laban, was that a good experience for him? It was kind of a rough experience. But he finally escaped. And then the Lord said, return home. Behold, I'll be with thee, Genesis 28, 15, and keep thee in all the places whither thou goest. I'll bring thee again to this land. I'll not leave thee until I've done what I've spoken of. But then what happens on the way home? On the way home, Genesis 31, 1 through 9, he meets who? Or he, he remembers what? Jacob had not forgotten what he did, and so what did he do? sent some gifts on towards Esau. I said, look, I know this guy's going to be ticked off. And do you think that Esau had forgotten what Jacob did? No, no, no. He came out with 400 of his finest. And Jacob is greatly afraid. And he divides his people, expecting the worst. And I'll leave it with this, and I'll come back to it when we come back together to study later in Hosea chapter 12, verse 2 to 4. The Lord also brings a charge against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his deeds, he will recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. This is talking about a time of trouble that Jacob goes through. We're going to talk about that because it's directly related to the heritage of Jacob and it's directly related to the Sabbath. The time of Jacob's trouble. How did he get through it? He did get through it. And when he got through it, he had the ultimate inheritance. Not just of the land, not just of borders, but a spiritual inheritance. And how many think we need to study more about that? And that's what we'll study about in our second part two on Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. Well, I might just close today with a song. I told someone last week I would <clears throat> sing a song, and then I didn't. <clears throat> and she came today, so Greta, this is for you. <clears throat> Greta and I spent several hours this last week studying the book of Daniel together. And... Uh, I don't know how this is going to go, Tom. Do you have any water? Any water on hand? <clears throat> so I'm going to sing the, uh, yeah, Tom is getting some water. By the way, Dr. Tom K. is the ultimate, the ultimate, uh, I don't know what you call here, but he, he's like the ultimate, he's like a worship specialist. Um, and if I could give him a raise, I'm going to double this out. He gets zero, so I'm going to double it. <laughs> Okay. okay, so this is what we're going to sing. Now, this is Isaiah 58, <clears throat> verse 13 and 14. And several months ago, or last year, I think it was, a couple years ago, I saw that my kids were 
swerving off the path in terms of Sabbath observance. And they didn't want to listen to me, so I thought, what am I going to do? Well, I think I'll make up a song. Maybe they'll listen to the song. So here's the song. If, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor Him, <clears throat> not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Then you shall delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your Father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. How many want to memorize that song? And sing it. Man, it took me a long time to write that song, folks. I was out there on the hills, the high hills. went up to Castle Peak. And I wrote most of that song up there. And I had to walk for miles with my little tape recorder. And finally, it was put in my mind. So let's delight ourselves today in the Sabbath, and may we be hit, filled with delight, knowing Him better, honoring Him, not seeking our own pleasures. And may He cause us to ride on the high hills of the earth, feed us with the heritage of Jacob. Father in heaven, thank you today for the Sabbath. What a palace and time you've created for us. And we want to turn our foot away from the Sabbath. We want to come in deep repentance. To turn means to repent. We want to understand more about how our minds need to be changed by you. We want you to change our lives completely. May we ride today on the high hills of the earth. And may we understand more of what it means to feed us with the heritage of Jacob as we go into the second hour of considering Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org